and welcome to another episode of the CBGS podcast, brought to you by Aspen Waits. Oh yes, here with the big man, Mr. Paul Waits, and we've got an interesting and informative um, episode for you today about tax planning, pre preempting your tax planning. Preempting? What's that? Pre mean? Uh, that's the wrong word, old chap. That is the wrong word, yeah. yeah I think not not preempting. Right? I, think, I think it's just going to edit it. Bizarre. Proactive tax planning, that's what yeah, I was looking for. Yeah, um, so, yeah, we're going to. Paul's been in the in the industry for over 25 years, um, and that's he's going to come, come at you with some, some <laughs> tips for keeping that uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 the tax down. Um, so, we're going to discuss the best ways you can keep your capital operation tax bill down. From corporation Paul's tax, was that? Yeah, your corporation <laughs> tax. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm translating from Swahili yeah. or Tigrana, as a language <laughs> I came across this week. Oh, yes. So, Paul, kicking it right off. Oh, that's good. Conciseness at last. How important is tax planning for a company? For a company? For a company, yes. Well, I, I, I would say um, one thing that probably unites practically all of the brotherhood of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. Is um, is a is a desire, uh, well, really to, to, to pay as little tax as possible. Mm -hmm. If I'm to be honest, mm -hmm. and I think you know that might sound um, rather against the national spirit, shall we say? But I think one of the things that um, business owners feel, if you take myself for instance, um, you know, one way or another, you know, across uh, the whole network, etc., you know, with the number of jobs we're providing, um, you know, you're looking at. Uh, contribution to the exchequer of several hundred thousand pounds per annum, perhaps even to millions. Um, so our payroll is is up to about two million now, I think. Oh wow! Um, and you know, I think our VAT was over a hundred thousand pounds in our biggest company last quarter. So it's not as if we're not already making mm. a substantial contribution to mm. the British economy. Of course, in our case, as well as our own contribution we're also uh, helping hundreds of companies to exist that otherwise wouldn't exist so Aspen Waits contribution to the British economy is probably runs into the hundreds of millions I would, wow. I would imagine you know mm. um, and of course um, you know a, a tax inspector or a tax person listening to me would probably say well you know 19% corporation tax is quite a fair rate uh, you've earned it you pay it you know which is which is fine from, from that point of view. Hey. But obviously one of the problems with, um, one of the problems of a corporation tax bill, for instance, is on the face of it, um, on the face of it, you end up with a lump sum payment at a time of the year. It's quite a large amount of money. Um, you know, and again, tax people don't understand that sort of thing. They'd say, well, you know, you've had the benefit of it. That's the way they look at it. Mm. You've had the benefit of that. So, mm. um, it shouldn't be a problem, yeah. you know, because in their... In business world, terms, that's a big bill that you've got to pay. In their perfect world, but, in the, you know, in the real world of business, mm. when, you, you know, many businesses are scrapping on a day-to-day -day basis to survive, mm. um, you know, uh, having to come up with, um, you know, potentially significant amount of money in one go is obviously a, a, a huge drain. Don't get me wrong, um, you know, there are... I do come across the odd person from time to time... Um, you know who who has a different attitude, but uh, most of our clients, I would say, have a desire to legitimately understand uh, all the measures available to them to reduce their tax bill mm. and look to us to deliver that for them. Mm. I think, as a firm that prides itself on proactive advice and has set itself the goal 
I've been in the premier premier firm of business advisors in the country. That it's where I do incumbent Ooh. incumbent upon us as as a firm to understand and explain and offer all the tax planning measures there are available. Mm. Uh, and in fact, uh, if one goes into the uh, into the tax legislation, etc. There are tax reliefs available that hardly anyone ever uses or knows about mm. um, to do with things like bands and theatres and that sort of thing, ah, which, okay. which we've come across um, re- reliefs like land remediation relief, video games, those sort of things. Ah, the creative tax reliefs. And the cre- yes, that's right. Very good. Very good, Drew. Mm. And they've got you know, various energy sort of type tax reliefs now, which is very good, and capital allowances. Um, but you know the answer to your question, to your question is tax planning is hugely important. Mm. And why is it hugely important? Well, it's hugely important because um, anything that can encourage investment and companies' ability to grow can only be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, if you are able to retain cash instead of paying it to the exchequer, uh, you can use that cash to grow. Mm. You know, I'm not saying everyone does that. You know, there may be business owners that. That use that cash to take as dividends or mm, mm. some such, but certainly Aspen Wake, for instance, uh, hugely is reinvesting uh, its profits into the future in a, in a wide range of ways, and therefore, the less corporation tax that we can pay, then obviously the better. And we can go back into the company. Yeah, exactly. And help it grow, yeah. This is the point. You know, uh, taking taking your long term. Um, you know, I, I I would I see us as as making uh, profits probably in excess of five million pounds, uh, and 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 paying millions of pounds of tax into the economy, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully having several thousand clients, uh, you know, and, and, and probably literally, you know, maybe even we could find across our whole contact, you know, a billion pounds of contribution to revenue wouldn't be out of question, which mm-hmm. would be something to be truly proud of mm. so yes it's uh, incredibly important and um, uh, proactive tax planning for a business um, what, what would uh, would you have any advice on that would it be mostly uh, get, get the advice from your accountant from um, or is there something that you can do your, yourself? Oh, that's uh, what you mean. You know, um, you mean, you mean is it is it is it is it, um, is it something you should rely completely on your accountant for? Or, so, from a point of view of an advisor, is it client driven or advisor driven? Yeah. Um, well, I think um, uh, the obvious answer to that, you know, off the cuff, is uh, the client is obviously an expert in their field. So, if they mm-hmm. are a care home operator, they are experts in providing care to old people people with dementia whatever the problems are um, they're not tax accountants mm-hmm. um, or business advisors so it seems to me um, that it falls upon the business advisory community uh, mostly in, 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 you know, acceptably in the form of chartered accountants and accountancy firms to properly advise their clients as to what is and isn't available mm-hmm. so for instance this morning I had breakfast with one of my most progressive clients who's totally embracing tax planning mm. um, and I, I see this as a blueprint for the future uh, and, and a lesson to all you entrepreneurs who are listening to me today so basically what we've done is we've uh, the, the chief executive approached me some time ago uh, put his brother in charge of research and development and basically said 
um, you know, I'm going to have this vast empire. I've already got a pretty vast empire. It's going to grow even more. Um, would you train my brother, hmm. uh, whatever? And I think we're on our fourth training day today. He's already greatly surpassed my expectation in terms of what he's able to do. Hmm. We've moved on to a very exciting level of ability. Um, and so today, you know, the meeting was very much on taking it further in terms of the sort of meetings we need to have internally, externally, mm. what documentation he needs to produce, project accounting, what sort of records he needs to produce, when to have the meetings. Mm. You know, because one of the things that, that, that's probably true of accountants and therefore tax advice historically is at best the tax advice is given looking backwards. Yes. So you're looking back. Mm. Typically, you know, if you looked at an old-fashioned accounting service, the company would have a year-end, say, of December, and then the books and records get dropped off the accountant mm. following June. Mm. Uh, well, it's already too That's late. not really proactive tax planning. Yeah. <laughs> you can't change somebody's salary, mm. you know, six months after the event, for instance. Yeah, so that, that brings me on to a question about, um, about kind of records, and um, I wanted to ask you whether, which you've kind of just answered through that question, but whether you get all of the right records all of the time from your clients, and and how how much of a, an effect that has on, uh, on on the tax planning process. So um, you know, if you haven't got all of the information from your clients, what you need, um, then then it makes your job a lot harder, or the time scales. Uh, so just on average, do people get all of the information to you? that you need like in a, in, in a, in a timely fashion would you say uh, or is it something that, that um... that's quite interesting that's an interesting point of view uh, and, and uh, without being um, uh, rude to you for instance it, well, it's probably an advantage that um, you yourself are a comparative layperson because mm-hmm. probably an accountant wouldn't have phrased the question the way you did okay so uh See, to me, you know, picking up on what I just said, um, an intelligent or knowledgeable or well, you know, educated, someone who talks to other people may well be aware of various tax reliefs, etc. But it doesn't seem to me to be up to that person to self-account. They should expect, quite rightly, that an advisor should be their advisor, should Mm -hmm. do this for them. So... To me, uh, uh, to use a Latin f- phrase, non sequitur does not follow what you said. Mm. So what should follow is, so what I did this morning, so I'm saying to the client, hey, these th- these are the meetings you should be having. This, These are the records you should be keeping. Mm. I'm mm. following that up tonight with writing a report, a half-year report saying, we've started this new initiative together, working together to maximise tax benefits and to and to allow your great group to grow to a uh, hundred million turnover or whatever mm-hmm. um, and you've done a great job this is we now need to move on to the next stage this is what we need to do da, 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 da. so uh, because we've gone past the looking backstage where we're trying to make the best mm. of what's already happened we're now into the eyes open local heads up rugby stage mm-hmm. so uh, rather than look back and say what did what did Matron do last year on the R and D project? What we're now doing is to say live. Let's have meetings all the time. Let's be aware of all the projects we have in the group, mm. and we'll sit down and formally discuss and formally record 
who was working on what project at any point in time. Mm. So we're keeping an audit, you know, an audit, <coughs> audit record and uh, properly documenting a process yeah. for internal and external consumption. I also am talking to them about what happens when an invoice comes in, educating the financial controller to understand that it might be a research and development invoice, what code to put on it, mm. where to post it. Mm. So what I want is when I'm looking at their books, all the costs are already sitting in the codes. Mm. See mm. what I mean? Mm. Which, I'm, which they're not doing. So, yeah. so, so it's that, taking that advice from your accountant on which records to keep, what the way yeah, that you absolutely. should be doing it. Yeah, so, you know... Um, so, to me, if someone's records were inadequate, that's the fault of the advisor. Yeah, I see what, you, what you're saying, yeah. If, 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 if someone had poor records, I'd say to them, your records aren't very good. Mm. I mean, funny enough, I was just reading, uh, I just kept re-waiting for a bit. Mm-hmm. I was reading a, a, an email from uh, one of my favourite clients, who is a uh, really, really fantastic female entrepreneur with a, a range of own design products. And one of the, I just I had lunch with her last week, and we we've done a sort of complete diagnostic review of her business, and um, it's quite interesting because she really just wanted a sort of a immediate fix mm. type meeting, and mm. I said to her, "Well, I can't give you an immediate fix, but actually, let's go a bit deeper than that. <laughs> the, the, the real issue is is that you've got a seasonal business, um, and that's what your real problem is. And you've got other issues such as your stock." The amount of stock you're holding is is uh, far too high, so in effect, you you never have that feeling of largesse or being profitable because all your cash is in stock. Mm, mm. Um, and so you need to get your stock down. You need to be more. And one, and one of the comments I made, uh, and I said this, in fact, I said exactly the same thing to another client about two weeks ago. I said, um, "You've got a 21st century product, a 21st century marketing effort." And a prehistoric accounting system. Oh. <laughs> mm. Now, in any business, uh, in my opinion, any business with serious aspiration should aspire that everything they do is of the same standard. Mm. From the first piece of paper that comes in the door to the final product going out, they should all be the same standard. Mm. Whereas, of course, what happens with a lot of people is... Um, the priority is very much on the sort of getting your hands dirty work, mm-hmm. should you call it? You do mm-hmm. you know something, Drew? Yeah, yeah. So the actual work that you're doing within the business. Yeah, that's, the that's, that's, that's more important. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, it's almost like the, accounting, the bookkeeping and accounting people in the, in the office, they're almost like mm-hmm. not proper people. You know, mm-hmm. they're not real workers. They're just these sort of hangers uh, on. What we have to do. <laughs> these hangers on. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're not really doing anything useful. Um, whereas, of course... Um, just as important. Well... Uh, equally important in yeah. my opinion because all, I just said that all parts of this are equally important mm. so um, how can you make good decisions if you don't get good management information mm. so I would say that um, in itself having a great business is one thing but if you don't understand the business or have the information given to you then um, you can't make good decisions mm. at the end of the day uh, any any director except a manager anybody uh, in a position of any responsibility, needs to be in a position to make the best decision they can make at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it, you know, it, it, it follows that in order to make great decisions, you need to have the best information you can have. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to praise an employee, mm-hmm. it'd be pretty stupid. For instance, so if, if the guy picked strawberries, 
um, you would probably want to know how many strawberries he picked compared mm. to the average strawberry picker mm. perhaps you know um, so it seems to me how could you possibly say Oops, sorry. how could you possibly say to that person whether the performance was good or bad if you didn't know that mm. it would just be a very generalistic appraisal wouldn't it mm. do you think um, there's a there's a there's a fear fear within business owners of like uh, the whole tax element and that's why uh, it, it gets not well it doesn't get ignored but you know where it, it can not be um, looked at as fear is a good word mm. um I, I, it just reminds me of the podcast when you said about the R&D tax credits and, yeah, and yeah, people yeah. that have that fear of... Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I was going to go on to say that. Because mm. um, the fear in itself would, would, would cover several different things, you know? Um, so, in, in the context that you've just used it, fear fear would apply to um, uh, this feeling that if you do an R&D tax credit, the revenue aren't going to like it or it puts mm. you on the radar mm. or you become a a named nasty person or something you know and then I think people generally are unfortunately um, sort of distrusting of the revenue suspicious mm. you know see the revenue as sort of the enemy mm. you know they're, they're not nice people these are and, 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 and to be fair you know I've, I've come across a few situations recently where that is well deserved mm. um, you know we had as you know we had a terrible situation last year where the online revenue completely mindlessly uh, were going to were intent on winding up a perfectly good company um, and refused to listen to any reasonable request as to how that could be paid mm. how, how that can possibly be in the international interest is, is beyond me mm. uh, so I think the revenue funnily enough you know um, uh, I think the general Word general view of the professionals or informed professionals, I would say at the moment, about HMRC is very much a sort of one size fits all approach. Mm. Um, they are really hot on tax compliance and tax avoidance at the moment, mm. and in their attempt to regulate and stop fraud, they are in great danger of treating everyone like the criminals, mm. you know. And mm. the fact is that most people aren't. Cripples. They're very law-abiding people. They may not understand totally what the law is or what they're supposed to do, but they're not criminals. Mm. Uh, and, and I think the revenue need to change their approach and quickly. Mm. Okay. And um, so another well-known uh, thing for keep, keep, keeping the tax low is, is uh, expenses. Um, expenses. Expenses. <laughs> but for, by, by the sounds of uh, how you're talking, for me that's quite a big thing in my head, but I don't. it, it, it w- wouldn't be... Um, you can't you can't look at just as you uh, what expenses you have as a as a way of keeping your tax down you need to think from a wider perspective um again that's a, a quite an interesting point of view uh obviously one of the benefits um listeners to young drew setting the questions is um you know i was also wondering where he was going with that i mean um when expenses are expenses, aren't they? I mean, mm. um, well, that, that's one, what I would like to know. Like, one like might want to class. rephrase is how you put that, if you don't mind me saying. Okay. Um, I mean, clearly, um, uh, you know, very simplistically, uh, a business has its revenue. It has costs directly associated with its revenue, um, and costs indirectly associated with its revenue, uh, and you have overheads such as 
you know, the background people, the, the rent, the electric light and heat, those sort of things, you know, major expenses, da 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 da. Um, so in themselves, obviously, expenses are expenses. The expenses you have are a legitimate uh, cost to reduce your profit. In terms of tax planning, uh, clearly, the tax planning opportunities for expenses would be things like the timing of them. So maybe you need to put in place a new computer system or something. The year end is April, so you, you, you get all the cost in, in, in April. Mm. Uh, thereby, um, thereby getting the costs into the, that financial year. Um, people often phone me up uh, near their year end in terms of things like plant and machinery purchases. Mm. Uh, and they'll say to me, should I be buying it now, next month, you know? And obviously, in order to answer that question properly, you then need to say, well, how much have you already bought this year? Which may require some analysis. Mm. And then you might go back and say, we've already used up your annual investment allowance this year. There isn't really any benefit in you paying for it this month. But that's good, you see, because that's, they're making an informed decision there. Because mm-hmm. that's what I said about the ability to make good decisions. Then, you know, when we come on to more serious tax planning, so, you know, a little tip for you, Drew, in terms of your expense thing, um, you've got things like um, pensions. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, the profit is particularly high. Uh, so the company's cash rich uh, the directors throw £100,000 into their pension scheme mm. that pentless cost it, it, it's, it's, the pension scheme is, is, is tax free is, okay. and um, the £100,000 in the pension scheme will attract £19,000 of tax relief mm. so you get corporation tax relief 19% on the £100,000 contribution uh, so that's, that's the sort of thing you might do near the year end you might, you might have director's bonuses or top-ups. That could also be other staff. You know, you decide that you've had a really good year, so you get the staff five percent bonus or something. Mm. Those things would all reduce the profit. Ah, oh, okay. So yes, um, expenses and and again, uh, this all comes down to the point I'm making about uh, informed decisions. So, uh, in order for that to take place, it has to happen before the books are closed down, doesn't it? Yes. So you need to have the conversation at the right point of the year, i.e. before it. Having a meeting, having a discussion after the event, it can only have limited success. Mm-hmm. Ah, brilliant. And um, can you tell us a little bit about Patent Box? Um, just completely switching up. We had an interesting episode about research and development, mm. um, uh, which uh, we'll link in the, in the show notes because that's very, for, for tax planning, that's a very good... Um, mm-hmm thing to cover but we didn't go into patent box um, too much and I believe that's another uh, could be seen as a um, for tax planning purposes. yeah I mean, I'd, I'd say you know to be, to be fair it's quite a limited thing because uh, okay. you know, it obviously only applies to people who've got patents yeah <laughs> uh, but that's something for, if, if your company is, is uh, has, has patents that's definitely something to be aware of um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what percentage of companies have a patent. I would have thought one percent or less. Oh, okay. You know, so it's quite special. No, I don't know. Don't be correcting my own protege here. Um, you know, obviously, you know, to some extent, the purpose of today should be to give as much benefit as we can to the listeners. Mm. And uh, patent box is probably something um, which fits in with the innovation space. Um, and again, that comes back to um, advice. So, uh, someone holding a patent needs to know that they could qualify for patent box. Mm. Um, 
if they do qualify a patent box, then they potentially are paying 10% corporation tax on profits arising from uh, whatever product is that's associated with the, pat- the patent. Mm. That's something that they need advice on from their tax advisor mm. or us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, get the. Um... Yeah, of course, patent box is very important if, if you want a patent. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Having your tax rate is obviously quite a great thing, isn't it? The other thing worth pointing out, in case Mr. Drew doesn't cover it by the time we finish this podcast, is, um, and again, I had this discussion yesterday with my um, good chums, Steve Collins and Matteo Churi, and we were talking about um, business valuations, etc. Clearly, um, by having things like patent box, R&D tax credits, tax planning, uh, what you would call earnings, the earnings free cash if you like might be a better way of understanding it the free cash generated by a business which becomes uh, becomes the cornerstone of a business valuation the higher those are the more the company's worth mm. tax planning equals higher valuation of the company equals happy entrepreneur ah, <laughs> ah nice and um, so a, a big takeaway would be um, get get that advice from uh, from from the from professionals us. from from us yes um, <laughs> on what records you need to keep <laughs> yeah Aspen weight complete business growth service absolutely yeah there is an important piece of tax advice that if we're going to do justice to this program um, so one of the things as well is is which is why everyone everyone um, uh, I think anyone with any pretension even if you're quite small because everyone that's small wants to be big. Um, one of the other discussions you need to be having with your tax advisor, or rather the tax advisor should be having with you, is um, the income and capital debate. Right. So, for instance, um, and again, so uh, as a generalisation, it's better for your income to be taxed as capital than it is as income. So, if, for instance, uh, I just, you know, I'm not saying this is the best example abroad, but if one was looking to sell one's business in the future uh, taking lots of dividends out now potentially paying 45% income tax on it uh, wouldn't make a lot of sense when most business owners will qualify for entrepreneur's relief which means that you pay tax of 10% on lifetime capital gains of up to £10 million right. so my advice to that entrepreneur would be um, don't pay 45% pay 10% yeah <laughs> and if you can legitimately turn income into capital which you can which I very good at doing them, by the way. Um, obviously, you're um, you're giving fantastic advice to your client. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, we like <laughs> we like good ones. And is there um, is there any um, benefits in paying your tax early? No, <laughs> no, it's not. Why would that be? Um, well, I, I thought the the revenue would pay you interest on no. Oh, okay. I thought that well, was you get, you, I mean, you, you if get, you pay your corporation well, no, tax you, early I thought they paid you interest why would you, why would you want to have that why would you not the, the interest rate I mean the, interest in, sorry so um, out of out of <laughs> this, this is not being inaccurate is it so um, one the, owing money to the revenue is actually not is not a bad thing to do because the rate of interest they charge is actually comparatively low compared to um, the rates you might be forced into on the high street. Mm. So actually the revenue, you know, charging you know, three or four percent or something. So um, 
if you were in a situation where you'd overpaid, etc., then the amount of interest you get is quite small. Oh, okay. But, I mean, I, uh, I can't even begin to get my head around why someone would want to pay the revenue early so they've got a small amount of interest. Mm. Because um, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not t- t- totally certain of this, but um, interest... So if you... If you companies tax is due nine months after their year end. So if you were to pay seven months... After the end, I don't think that gives you any interest. I don't think it's your money, so you pay two months early. I think they just say you paid paid your year already. Mm. Oh, it's so just something I read that they would pay. They paid you interest on uh, yeah the time that you paid early. And it's quite That's often, it. you know, what happens with things like R and D tax credits when you're making years and prior claim. You know, say you're making a 2017 claim, then um, the the causal effect of that claim. Let's say you have a hundred thousand pounds paid back. Um, the way it works is you paid £100,000 two years ago, that shouldn't have been paid. So they, they will give you, say, £4,000 of interest mm. as oh, a result wow. of the R&D claim. Mm. But it's not... So I, I would say never. I can't even begin... The only, I can't even, I'm, I'm actually struggling, for me, to even think of any reason why anyone would want to pay their tax early, <laughs> other than sheer stupidity, um, or peace of mind. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's something I suppose. Like you know, you don't trust yourself, so you're just not bloody more yeah, paying it. Yeah, get out. There's no good reason to do it, honestly. <laughs> oh wow! Don't listen to Drew, listeners. Don't pay tax early. <laughs> Make sure you can pay it though. Yes, yes. Um, is there any other um, other points you'd like to discuss on um, on tax planning? Because I've covered everything that I was going to ask you, um, but in, in case I've missed anything that you think may be beneficial for the li- listeners. Well, I think, you know, one way or another, I tried to mop up Drew's questions to sort of cover all the things that should be discussed. Um, one of the things uh, which we haven't really talked about, other than I touched on um, proactive clients doing this, is one of the key parts uh, of any company's culture should be to carefully plan its capital budget. So um, that is, uh, you know, the plant machinery, the fixed assets such as computers, etc. Uh, it needs to purchase in the air. And really progressive companies that set out to actually budget carefully for what they spend can can create an incredibly progressive uh, corporation tax regime. Mm. So, for instance, um, on the other hand, if you were if you were to imagine a company that say made a profit of one hundred thousand pounds and in this current year it bought a machine for one hundred thousand pounds, then you would get what's called a a first year allowance of one hundred thousand pounds. So, increasing it you would pay no tax at all. Mm-hmm. Then let's imagine the company still makes £100,000 next year. Then next year what will happen is um, there'll be depreciation on that machine, but there's no longer any capital allowance because you've already claimed it. Mm-hmm. That will now reverse. Oh. So over the next five years, you're going to pay more tax than you would have done. Uh, so you've had the positive cash effect of the investment in, in year one. If you then did nothing at all, that will reverse equally in the next five years or whatever. So, on the other hand, if you're a growing company, for instance, you have a progressive system where you carefully budget every year. So, let's say, you know, year one you spend 100 grand, next year you spend 110 grand, next year you spend 120, that will never happen mm. because the onward momentum will always be enough to cope with last year's reversal. Ah, okay. Yeah. Always keeping that growth up. The, the thing, uh, the key thing I, will, I think if we're nearly finished the key thing that I would uh, say to Drew and, and, and all you um, 
aspiring entrepreneurs and, and, and would-be tax uh, followers is um, one of the things I say to clients uh, over and over and over again, if you want me to give the best advice, I need to know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. If I don't know what's going on, I can't give you the advice. Communication is the answer to the problem. If I knew, I would tell you. To both of you. <laughs> communication right, yes. is the answer to the problem. That's all. Anyway, communication. Communication is everything. So, can't expect your advisor to give you advice if you don't talk to him. Mm. So, transparency. I, 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 I think I, I like to think I'm as good an advisor as anybody can be. Um, uh, I, I push the boundaries. I understand all the different taxes, and I will do everything I can to make sure that person. And the other thing, of course, is you need to understand what sort of person your client is. Some people are, as you ever say, blue sky. Lovely blue sky at the moment. Oh, yes. Yeah. And sun's Some out people are blue sky people. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, you know, they probably, you know, they, they push the boundaries. You can push them as far as you want. Other people are incredibly uh, resistant to tax planning. Mm. So uh, blue sky people may be reining in a bit. Mm-hmm. And the people who need a bit of encouragement, you give them a bit of encouragement. But you wouldn't want them to be uncomfortable. Mm. See what I mean? Yes. You don't want a low risk person and give them high mm. risk advice because there would be a disconnect, wouldn't there? Mm. So you understand the person, you try and find what they're comfortable with. Mm. Yeah, but it's all about a journey together, understanding. And of course, if you can, if you can do two things, if you can actually understand what's going on in your client's business, the challenges they have during the year, what the profits are likely to be, but also look into the future. So like today in the meeting I had this morning, we're not just looking at today, we're looking at the fact that, that the, the business is going to go 40, mm. 20, 25, 30, so on and so forth. Because, uh, you know, I don't believe in giving advice for today. I mm. want to give advice for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. What's the end game of these people? What what drives them? You know, all these sort of things, they're all essential. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah, so really work with your advisors and uh, make sure we know and advisors know your clients indeed <laughs> and I think that is good Paul I that know you have, a, you have a meeting in a few minutes yeah, so I'm going to actually so uh, yeah. pause that um, so um, we, we, we've uh, we, 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 we've rushed a bit into this today so um, I've just started singing a song before today's podcast to amuse everyone mm-hmm. um, and it uh, doesn't really fit in with uh, the genre of, of music that um, uh, we've been playing recently but uh, I have immense good to switch things up a bit sometimes love and respect for this lady Donna Summer uh, who uh, I think is uh, incredibly talented and uh, became so much more than the so-called sex siren that sang I Feel Love which uh, could have sort of um, been her legacy I guess but um, you know she went on to be a bit of a legend uh, and even I think probably sang the best stock Aitken and Waterman song of all time which I hugely enjoy it really lifts me up um, I also love her um, rendition of MacArthur Park, which I think is fantastic. Um, so Donna Summer, uh, sadly no longer with us, uh, died of lung cancer, believed to be from a result of singing in nightclubs. So, uh, yeah, I feel quite sad about that. You know, uh, there, there is a part of me, like Bowie, you know, I think uh, it's probably not very nice for their, for their, um, their, uh, their kin, uh, or indeed themselves, but... Uh, David Bowie and Donna Summer will always look like David Bowie and Donna Summer, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, they, they won't become some uh, old person that can only walk around or whatever. I'm totally un- unkind there. Um, so uh, I, wish, I wish Donna Summer was still with us. But uh, anyway, so Donna Summer is quite an important person in my musical life. And um, 
the record I was singing this morning, which we've decided to play today, is called State of Independence. Um, she sings it really powerfully. Uh, I think it really shows off, showcases her voice very, very well. Uh, but she's well worth listening to across the range, good range of music. Um, so uh, we're going to leave you today with Donna Summer and State of Independence. Oh, oh, oh.